This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode one of the Equine Clicker 101 podcast on Horse Radio Network, a new way of communicating. Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. They are Jeffers Equine and Winnie's Cookies. Hi, this is Shauna Karish, and I'm here with my producer, Jen. Hi-ho. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. This has been something we've been talking and dreaming about for a long time, and it's we're finally here. So, yay. At long last, many moves across the country, many conversations, many emails, and at last we have made it to episode one. Yay. Yay. This is ground zero for the Equine Clicker 101 podcast. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> now, for for anybody who is not familiar with Shauna Karish and the work you've been doing for how many years have you been working in the horse industry with uh, positive reinforcement training? Uh, about 25 now. About 25 years. Now, well, we're going to do the three-minute bio, because if we went through the whole thing, that would be the entire episode all by itself. And it's a fascinating history, but that's not where we're trying to focus. So... How did you learn about positive reinforcement training as a whole, as a, as a scientific theory? You know, and that's, I learned in a very different way. So I learned to train animals with marine mammals. So that is where I learned to train animals, period. And that whole introduction, that whole process was completely positive reinforcement, 100%. We had textbooks, we had to study textbooks, we were tested on the information. So I really knew the science, but that is where I just learned how to to do all this. But the bottom line is it's science and technical, but it's super duper fun. All righty. So that's how you learned it. You learned it because you needed to train animals that weren't horses. What got you connected with the equine world? Well, that was after I'd been working with the marine mammals for about 10 years, I guess, I got a, a an opportunity to go see a show jumping Grand Prix. And that was from Elizabeth Bush Burke of Anheuser-Busch. And she, we went, a bunch of us trainers just went to go see it. And, and a lot of people were like, well, yeah, that's fun okay, good night. You know, I was like, wait, this is kind of amazing because now I knew about positive reinforcement. So that's where I really kind of took interest in it. But then I had the opportunity to work with John and BZ Madden. So, and that was actually after a conversation with a man named Tom Dorrance. So I had oh, wow. some really, <laughs> yeah, I know. I had some pretty heavy hitters, you know, and, and BZ is an Olympic at the gold. top. I know. So, and she's an Olympic gold medalist in show jumping. For those who don't know, because that's very uh, discipline specific. Yeah, maybe but, maybe if you're a rainer, you might not know that. There you go. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But it was, and it was really, it was my conversation with Tom Dorrance that he convinced me that yes, this definitely, you know. And he invited me to come to his ranch and work. But I was still with the marine mammals. I was like, I have to work. But he's very generous, <laughs> and he sent me a book. But that was, it was those people. And then going to work with John and Beezy, I really look at that as my lab time. You know, as I understood this training, but. 
but how do you put the positive reinforcement together with traditional horse training and how do they blend together? How do you do it? How much of this? So I really look at that as my lap time. And so that's where I really got my feet wet and got to figure out how it works from, from the top level and then went all the way down to pony club kids and backyard enthusiasts and people just getting started. So basically what happened is you saw one Grand Prix show jumping and you were hooked. Mm-hmm. I love that. But you didn't just get hooked on the training and the watching. You actually got to be a horse gal and you have a couple of horses that you've worked with over the years and you still have some horses, right? I do. I have um I still have Minty who was he was a horse I got from John and Beezy. He was just a baby. And he was one that stayed home. You know, I worked with the Grand Prix horses and went to shows and came and went and did. But he was always home. Whenever I was home, he was there. So he is still with me to this this day. My original guinea pig is still with me. They they have a name for that in the in the in the medical business. Patient one. (laughs) That's what he was. And that was that was and then yeah, go ahead. So was Minty a, a jumper or a hunter? Well, at that point, he was just a baby. He was to be a hunter-jumper horse, but at that point, he was just young. He was a yearling, you know, so he didn't really know anything, and so I... And that's kind of what left him really, truly to my disposal because he was too young to go with them anywhere. So he became really the him and another horse, George, who I no longer have, were my two little ones that really... I learned everything and they had very different personalities. One was very bold and confident and, and Mint was kind of quiet and a quitter. He's actually the worst horse I've ever worked. And then, so I still have him to this day, but now I have um, a younger horse I've begun working with and his name is Murray and he's a five-year-old off the track thoroughbred who is very naive. And so he is, we're going through the early paces of everything. He hated everything. He didn't like, I mean, this is in February. He didn't like the wash rack. He didn't like the cross ties. He didn't like spray. He didn't like touching his face. He didn't like, you know. He was a a classic OTTB right there. Yeah. Yeah. He just didn't, he didn't know anything. He was suspicious about everything. So now it is really fun to be taking him. You know, it's been a while since I've had a baby like this and taking him through all of it. We still have a whole lot of stuff to get through, but it's really fun. And it just reminds you how effective the training is and how it can really change their emotional state. You know, he's building a lot of trust and now he trusts me on a lot of other things that we haven't even begun to get to yet because he's decided everything's okay. You know, so it's, it's really exciting. It's so reinforcing and invigorating. Woo-hoo. Well, <laughs> that's a little bit of Shauna's background, how you got started with the horses and all that kind of cool stuff. And now you're hanging out in New Mexico. At, yes, Santa Fe. At, at hanging out down there where the weather is beautiful and the skies are big. And <laughs> with Equine Clicker 101, this, this show is really, really going to be unique. Uh, tell us kind of how it works. What's going to happen for each episode? Because this is episode one, ground zero. We have to do a, little, do a little bit of introduction. How's the course going to work? <laughs> well, the first few episodes are going to be a little bit like your prerequisite courses where it is building the foundation that gives us the, the communication for all the other stuff. So in the beginning, we're going to really work on kind of on every episode, we're going to work on some principles because keep in mind all of this that we're doing, it's positive reinforcement, science-based training. It has its basics in science. I mean, that's 
that's what it is. So none of this is made up. This has all been determined by, by watching how our animals learn. It's applied learning theory. That sounds all technical and drab. Oh, I like it. It sounds fancy. <laughs> applied learning theory. <laughs> so with the applied learning theory. So we, but there's really, it really follows common sense too. So a lot of times as we, we're going to talk about, there's going to be nuggets in every single show, whether you think this is something that is directly, you know, let's say we're working on getting your horse to hold still at the mounting block or going forward under saddle or whatever it is. And you may think, but that's not my issue. But in every show, we're going to have nuggets of behavior principles that are going to help you just to be a better partner for your horse. So we'll always have our class time. And those will be kind of included in that part. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to go on to our lab time. And the lab time, this is where it's going to get a little bit different, is what we're going to do is we're going to take um, exercises and we're actually going to do them in real time, essentially. So we're going to talk about what we're going to do. And then we're going to give you time to go to the barn, to your lab, and then actually apply those principles or apply the technique so we can actually have a little live session together. And then, well, not live, it's recorded, but you know what I mean. And then we will say, you know, talk about which way did your horse go? Was he too energetic? Was he too quiet? Did he get this? Did he get that? So we can give you directions and help you to have success in whatever thing it is that we're working on. So, and we want to take all just, it's going to be problem solving on one way, if you really think about it. So thinking of common things that people need to address and then, and then some, it'll just be teaching stuff for fun too. Oh, there we go. So it's literally, um, paint by numbers with, with clickers kind of. (laughs) Yes, Uh exactly. So, so that's the basics on how this is all going to work. It's, it's an experiment for us too, a little bit at this point. So we'll have some bumps in the roads, but the, the science and the technique and the expertise of our host Shauna here is uh, that's not in question. It's just how we're going to, we're ironing out all how this is all going to happen on a podcast. Because as far as I know, no one is trying to teach any kind of horse training uh, in real time on a podcast. This is new. (laughs) It is. And it's, it's taking the art, I mean, because the, the 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 lab time is our art part, but it's, it's science and art and putting them together. That's right. The, the class time, that is the science part, which is that, and mm-hmm. that's coming up next. And then the lab part is the art. And coming up next, the science part is going to happen right after we hear from whom, Shauna? Jeffers, our illustrious title sponsor. Located in Dothan, Alabama, Jeffers was founded in 1975 by Dr. Keith Jeffers in order to provide local livestock owners with a reliable and more cost-efficient source for their supplies. Fast forward 40-plus years, and today, Jeffers has become a trusted source for equine, pet, and livestock supplies all across the United States, but they've not lost sight of the personal service that got them started all those years ago. You can still visit the Jeffers store in Dothan, or you can shop online at jefferspet.com, where you will find an astounding array of products for your equine habit, from quality tack, English and Western, to the supplies and healthcare products that you have come to depend on, as well as new and innovative lines to help your horse be his or her best. Visit them today at jefferspet.com. All 
All righty. Well, let us get started. So in this very, the very beginning of this type of training, it is a systematic kind of plan that you need to go through. I mean, how many of us have heard, don't hand feed your horse? But yet, on the other hand, horses love food. That's why we're told not to hand feed their, our horses because they go crazy over the food. So we're kind of missing a link here because it's obviously a very strong reinforcer and very valuable to them. But then how do we turn it into something constructive and not the problematic spoiled horse? That's what we're going to address today. We're going to take something that they've shown us that they find very valuable and technically reinforcing, and we're going to turn it into a, a tool that can help us all kind of work together and, and both be win-win in our training equation. So the very beginning of this, though, and a really important element that we need, first of all, to establish is a way to communicate with them when they've done something correctly, when they've done something we like, when they've done something we want to see more of. And this is something that has, uh, it's a communication tool that with the marine mammals, we called it a bridge signal. And it was called the bridge signal because it it bridged the moment they did something right. So picture a dolphin across a pool doing his jumps in the air, his bows. And we like that. Well, I can't throw a fish, you know, a hundred yards across the pool, but I can blow my whistle. And the whistle tells him, yes, what you've just done is correct. So this bridge signal is also being called a marker signal because it marks that moment in time. So this is what we need to do. Now this, a whistle or a clicker or whatever you decide to use isn't magic. It's something that gets conditioned through classic conditioning, also referred to as Pavlovian conditioning. So it's just like Pavlov and his dogs when he discovered that when he did something before the food even got there, the dogs started drooling because they knew the food was about to come. So that one once upon a time neutral sound now became something that was very significant to them and and made them drool. <laughs> so essentially, we take that that type of training, that classic conditioning, putting the two together, the 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 private primary reinforcer like food is what we're going to focus on and put it together with this signal so that we have a way to communicate when we do something and we like it. Think about something like a horse doing a canter depart. You can't feed the second he does it, but you can click. You can say, yes, that's what I like. And he thinks, oh, what did I just do to earn that reinforcement? He remembers what he got clicked for or, or bridged for. So it's really, really important. And I cannot imagine training without it because it is such an important, it's like a scalpel. You know, it, it lets us draw attention to little teeny tiny finite moments in time. There's a woman one time I was going to a barn to do a clinic and she was there with her little horse. And she said, oh, I'm so glad you're here because I'm trying to teach my little filly to, to hold her leg up. She said, but every time I, I try to lift it, it seems like she's pulling it out of my hand and putting it back on the ground. So I said, okay, so what's happening? Are you using a clicker or some sort of bridge signal? And she said, no, I'm just feeding. And I said, okay, so when are you feeding? And she said, as soon as the foot's on the ground. <laughs> so what was the little horse doing? She was thinking, well, the sooner my foot's back on the ground is the sooner I got fed. So the horse was pulling her foot back on the ground because she's putting the association between what happened when I got the food. And herein lies the, the, the reason why it's good, but also herein lies the problem that happens with a lot of people and their horses and food is they think they forget that every single time we're feeding our horse, we are reinforcing some behavior. 
And most people are not aware of that. So if your horse is reaching over a, a fence or a paddock or a stall and that's how he gets food, well, he's going to think more reachy grabby. But if we wait till he gets back inside and reach in and feed him behind it, the fence, pretty soon he starts learning, I'm going to wait over here because this is when the feeding happens. So now we're going to kind of illuminate all of these little pieces and figure out how do we put this to work for us in all different situations. It is, think about it. Food is one of the things they value most of anything, and it is something that they need to survive. So think about a baby horse. The moment it's born, I mean, it gets air. That's one of the things it needs to survive. And then it pretty much, without anyone having to teach it, it stands up and gets food and water in the form of nursing. And nobody has to teach it this. It is hardwired in them to look for food at all times. So that's what we're going to be aware that it's that valuable to them, but we want to learn how to use it in a systematic way. And I'm also going to point this out right here and now, while I still use food in my training, but things that become conditioned, I tend to move on and I don't necessarily feed them all the time. I fade some of these elements from the that particular behavior. So keep in mind as we teach things with the positive reinforcement, our real goal is to build up a strong reinforcement history. So everything our horses do is built on a reinforcement history. So they're either getting something they want or avoiding something they don't want. And that's the bottom line. So what we want to do is build up a good, strong reinforcement history with the things we want to see happening and by utilizing something that they value to make it valuable to them. So I hope that makes sense to everybody. Now, a little, um, want to break this down just a little bit simpler. As I said, we're going to, um, be dealing with positive reinforcement. Now, the traditional training also falls under science, and that um, is actually called negative reinforcement. And decades ago, when I first started teaching this to horse people, I couldn't even really say negative reinforcement because everybody tend to think of the social term. So we, we think, I mean, this is very simplistic, but this is how it went. People had a tendency to think, Negative reinforcement means I beat my horse and positive reinforcement means I don't beat my horse. I mean, that's really kind of how people thought of it, but that's not how it was written. That's not how it goes at all. It was written by science people. Think about it. Like in math, math, science, are you know, kind of all the same, but you think about it in math when we had a negative number, it wasn't a bad number. It was just a number that was subtracted from the equation. On the other hand, a positive number wasn't the good number. It was one that was added to the equation. So it's a plus and minus versus a good and bad. And so the same is true as, as we use positive and negative reinforcement. So positive reinforcement means something that's added to the equation, which increases the frequency of behavior. And negative reinforcement means something is subtracted from the equation, which increases the frequency of behavior. So you probably put this together by now. Reinforcer, reinforcer, all it does is increase the frequency of behavior. But with traditional training, we have a tendency to, I mean, we've all done it. It's So when you want your horse to go forward in you know, a very basic sense, what do you tend to do? You apply pressure, usually with legs, your leg aids. And when they're good, we remove that pressure. So they start learning, oh, when the pressure, if I want the pressure to go away, I go forward. If we want them to stop or slow down, whether it's a halter or a bridle, we apply pressure. When they slow down or begin to slow down, we remove the pressure and they start to realize, oh, okay, so I, it goes away when I respond in kind, whichever one we're looking for. So that we've been using that all along. That's what 
natural horsemanship, uh, traditional training, it's all based in negative reinforcement. And I think that's really important to understand. And it falls right into that science, just like everything else. And then the other side of that is now that we're introducing that we're going to focus on, because this isn't the part that has historically been known or really understood with horses, we're actually going to be really using positive reinforcement. Now, there's there can be some confusion because people will think, well, I give my horse a rest and that's positive reinforcement. But actually, we've created the need for the rest. So the rest is actually a removal of exercise, if that makes sense. So positive reinforcement is really something that they value all on their own. So they're not, you know, looking, walking around the paddock going, somebody apply pressure to relieve it. They're walking around going, can I get some grass? You know, so, so we're trying to use something that they truly value. And before we get to the lab time, I also want to kind of point out too, that they are the ones that establish what is valuable to them. So some horse, you may walk up to a horse and think you're going to pet them and that's going to be a good thing. Well, for some horses, that's very aversive and they don't like that a bit. So, so that's not necessarily going to be a, a, a positive reinforcement for all horses. And even then, the degree, you know, sometimes some horses are itchy in spring, but summer they're like, I'm hot, sticky, don't touch me. You know, so those things kind of may vary, vary. but food is a, a strong positive reinforcement throughout their whole entire lives, again, because they need it to survive. So paying attention to what one particular horse values is by watching does the, the behavior increase in frequency. So keep in mind, those are two points, the negative reinforcement, positive reinforcement, not good or bad. One is the removal of pressure or subversive. The other is the application of the introducing of something that they like and want quite a bit. So that is a very important element. And that's what we're going to talk about, how to get started. How do we teach that bridge signal? How do we start this important communication? You're going to get nuggets. Like I said, there's so much science in here. You're going to get lots of classroom and nuggets all throughout. But we'll get, as we kind of get the foundation lane, we'll move more into the direct issues that people are having with their horses. All right. So we're going to wrap this seg segment up. And next, what we're going to do is we're going to get into our lab time right after this word from our sponsor, Winnie's Cookies. Winnie's Cookies are a great tasting treat that's actually good for your horse. Winnie's Cookies starts with 100% certified organic, non-GMO whole food ingredients. You know, the good stuff like barley, millet, flaxseed, and alfalfa seed. Then they're baked fresh and sent right to your door because they don't contain any preservatives, so they're not available from stores. You can feel good about feeding Winnie's cookies as a reward for a job well done, as a tasty yet nutritious way to make medication more palatable, or just because your horse is special. Go to winniescookies.com to place your orders. That's W-I-N-N-I-E-S cookies.com for your order. Freshly baked, 100% organic, Non-GMO Winnie's Cookies, pure, simple, and as natural as the horse you're feeding them to. Alrighty, next we are going to talk about and get started in teaching our horses a, a bridge signal. Now, one of the things I pointed out already 
Um, it can be all sorts of things. With the marine mammals, we didn't use clickers. We didn't call it clicker training. That term actually came from the dog world. I happen to like clickers quite a bit for the, the horses because I think it's loud. It can be heard over a canter, over a gallop, over a jump across a field. So I do quite like the clicker. So I'm going to refer to the bridge signal being a, um, we're going to, I'm going to refer to it being a, the, the clicker is going to be my bridge signal. So that's what I'm going to keep talking about is the clicker this, the clicker that. But if you decide you want to use something else, you want to use a whistle or something else, you can. Um, and one other thing I'm going to kind of remind you of, I also do use a verbal bridge signal, but I don't use it right off the bat for the horses because what I find is they're kind of desensitized to their to our voices, especially my horses. I've got the gift of gab and they just Wick, 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 wick. So I like to use something that's very distinct, very different, has one meaning and one meaning only. So I'm going to talk about it as a clicker. I will interject click and bridge and click and bridge being the same thing. So, um, so that's just a little get your clicker, go get a clicker. You can buy them at pet stores. You can get them from my website. You can get them. You probably have some laying around the house somewhere. But anyway, so we're going to start with the clicker as our bridge signal. And we, what I want you to do now is head out to your lab, which is your barn. So I want you to go to your horse if you're not already there. And what we're going to do is we're going to get started. So one of the first things, as, as you can imagine, when you go in with your horse, I use, you can use like a bum bag, uh, you know, a waste pack, if you like. I actually have a side bucket. I like it because it's easy to get in and out of. You can use pockets. You can use, you know, other things. Um, make sure it's something you can easily get in and out of. And I'm going to tell you, I am a heavy-handed feeder. So I recommend you get a lot of something that you can feed. If you have a metabolic horse, a horse who, you know, is can't just have, you know, you can get hay pellets, you can get low starch, low carb, other things to use. I do recommend you have some special ones in there as well. Like Winnie's cookies are great because now you have a special one to mix it up with, with something really good. It's, it's variety and it, it's great for them. So get some food, get something to put food in and get your clicker and get out to that barn or out to that field or wherever your horse is. Another thing I'm going to remind you, teaching this is going to be way easier by yourself. I mean, you can have friends, but I mean not two horses because they will get socially invested in this and pretty soon they're paying attention and resource guarding and vying for the attention. So single your horse out if you can and, and do it someplace where he can be relaxed and focused. Okay, so as you go in with food, what do you imagine is going to happen? I'm going to say 99 out of 100 horses, okay, maybe 95 out of 100 horses are going to come up and think, well, I want that food, I want that food, I want that food. So one of the first things we have to do is teach them, well, if I just feed you food like this, you're going to think mugging and pushing gets more food. So what we want to do is look for them to turn their head away or keep their head to themselves. Okay, so our first the priority now is going to be to teach our horse manners. I know that we said we're going to be doing this classic conditioning, this Pavlovian conditioning, where we're trying to give value to the clicker because it, it's not magic. It's not like it is some special thing. We condition it and give it that value, but we have to do it by click feed, click feed, click feed, click feed. So it's just a repetitious process that I'm going to want you to repeat beyond just this lesson. But when you first start, 
the well, your horse doesn't get this. And I'm going to tell you, this is one of the harder parts of getting started because we have no way to really help them yet. You know, we don't have, they don't know the target. We don't have some clues that we can give them because they're just thinking, oh my gosh, I want the food. If you have a really pushy horse, one that you're going to be a little worried about, you can start this on the outside of a stall door or the other side of a fence. So if they get too pushy, you can slightly without much ado, rock out of the way so they can't reach you until they finally go, I give up and they turn their head away. I click and I reach way over and I feed them under their chin on the other side of me. You know, so I'm standing on one side, my hand reaches. So it's on the other side of their head so that they go, oh, and then they see the food and they go eat over there. If I feed or you feed close to the food source, close to your body, you can be reinforcing them for that. So I try to exaggerate that, particularly in the beginning, where they're like, whoa, and it's way over here. So you want to look for that moment that they give up and finally go, oh, I don't know how to get this. And so if you need to be in this protected contact or on the other side of a fence or other side of the door to be comfortable, that's absolutely fine. That doesn't matter because it's just, it's a way that you can help set them up for success. I, on the other hand, I tend to go in with the horse first, but I cover, I use a side bucket that I can cover and put my arm over and they can't get it. It's like, and I can put my hand deep down inside of it. And it's like, it's like Fort Knox. So at some point they're like, it's ridiculous. I can't get it. And they give up and they look away. And it's that moment I click and I feed and I click and I feed and I click in my feed. Now, another thing I want you to, to keep an eye on is um, sometimes for some horses, they're very, very persistent. And the very beginning of this can be as simple as sometimes I see their eyes look away before their head even does. Like I can tell they're all focused on me and finally I see the eyes look away and the head starts to go and I click and I feed over there. And then, so that's, it can be that small, but but mostly they kind of at some point and they give up and they look away. So that's what you want to do is catch those moments and feed them at that decision. Because remember, whenever you feed them, you are reinforcing something. And when you reinforce something, you're increasing the likelihood of seeing that behavior repeated. So what behavior do we want repeated? We want that head way over there, not over here. So we want to kind of exaggerate it. So we make it so painfully clear that, wait, you mean I put my head over here and I get fed? Keep in mind. They're still begging. They're just doing it in a new way. They're still trying to figure out how do I get what I want, but they're learning to do something that works for both of us. And so it's a skill that begins and is really, really important. So these manners, as much as we're trying to condition the clicker and give it value, I also at the same time really want to get these these manners solidified. And mostly in the first minute or so, you'll have them starting to do this much more and much more and much more and much more. But when you come back in, they're going to forget. <laughs> You're going to have to remind them again until they get it better and better and better. So don't be discouraged. If they're, whatever, if they're doing the incorrect thing, all it tells you is this is more reinforcing than this new thing that we're trying to teach. So we're going to be rebalancing scales, as it were. There's a lot of reinforcement on the side that says muggy pushy, and there's not a lot on the side that says keep your head away. So that's what we're, uh, that's the, the, what most horses will do. The other horses, some horses will be, they will not really want to take the food. They would, wouldn't dare be so bold. And I'm going to say there's also shut down horses 
that will actually not act on it at all. And with those horses, I'm like, please mug me. <laughs> you know, that would be improvement because it would show me that those horses are taking a step towards me or looking at feeling bold enough to show me how they feel. So, so you may have a really kind of standoffish reticent horse. And if that's the case, I go up to them and I will feed them. Then I take a step away and look for them to follow me a little bit and follow me a little bit till they feel bold enough to kind of follow and stick with me. And then we go back to, to ironing that out a little bit. Alrighty, so what I want you guys to do is turn off your podcast now and get your horse and get him in a safe place, whether that's in a stall or in a small paddock by himself or in a round pen, if your horse is comfortable in round pens, um, and whether you want to be on the other side of the fence or in with them, that you can try it out and see for yourself. But that's what I want you to do is get to that safe place and then turn your podcast back on. Now we're standing shoulder to shoulder. I'm standing on the left side, about an arm's length away. Now he's kind of trying to figure out about the food and trying. He's exploring. And I'm just ignoring all of it. Just ignoring it. There we go. Now he gave up and kind of looked away after he pushed all over me. I click and I'm going to feed way over where I want his head to be. And I gave him a big handful. Now we're going to repeat this process. Now he's back for more. <laughs> not clearly not getting it yet. And waiting it out as he's kind of exploring and trying to figure out how does he get this food. And he's going, he went to the ground. Click. And so I clicked him. And now I'm going to feed him again where I want his head to be, which is over there. Now I don't want his head to the ground, but it went to the ground. It's better than chewing on me. So we'll take that and we're going to repeat. Okay, so now he's trying again. Ooh, quicker that time. Click and feed. Again, way over I want to be. He stayed over there, so I clicked and fed again. So that's perfect. I wanted to learn to keep his head there. Now I'm going to take a step forward. So uh, we want to shift it up a little bit. So I'm going to take a step forward. This is going to mess everything up a little bit because it just does. So I'm going to take a step forward and see what happens. Again, trying to keep him, he's adjusting a little bit and going, walking ahead of me. So I'm gonna shift with him a little bit to try to keep him. So we kind of try to stay shoulder to shoulder. He's a calm horse, so I'm not worried about him getting too excited. If he's too excited, sometimes I just stop and slow down. But I can shift a little bit with him. He's still trying all his different things. There we go. And now I, he got it right, so I clicked and fed. So he could get that sorted out again. And I might take two steps towards him this time. There we go. And try to keep, again, shoulder to shoulder. When he sorts it out a bit, click and feed. And as we take our steps, he's, he's trying to adjust for me and, and sorting it out back to sniffing and trying and just waiting him out again and remind him it's the same exercise we did. So it's the same process. 
there we go. Click feed. He got his, uh, he turned his head away again. Kind of got, he swung his butt back towards me a little bit more. Not towards me, but straightened himself out on his own. So that was great. That's actually kind of more than I could ask for. So I'm going to try it again. And again, going to repeat here in the same position for a few times. There we go. Click and feed. And now he's starting to keep his head over there more often than not. So that's a good sign. And when... There, good. Now I just kept his head over there the whole time, so I clicked and fed twice in a row because I'd rather him stay there than come back to me. So trying to help him out. Now he's kind of, he's backing up a little bit. He's trying to keep me at his head. So I'm in a stall, so I'm going to back up with him a little bit and kind of try and direct us. So his hiney's in the corner because <laughs> that'll minimize where he can go. And hopefully that'll help set us up for success. There we go. Okay, good. And that helped him out a bit. So I can click and feed again as he's keeping himself in the right place and I'm gonna he's now he's just keeping himself there a little bit more I'm not gonna wait in between I'm gonna just keep clicking and feeding as long as he's keeping his head over there now click and feed and click and feed because now this is getting some repetition for the right thing. And you know what? After, you know, I probably fed a half bucket of food, kind of a lot of food before I leave. I think this is a good place to end for him. It, we want it really short and sweet and powerful. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to pour some food in. He, he has a grain bucket in here. So I'm going to pour a little bit of food in there for him. So he, I can leave him with that as I step away. And that's going to be it for our first session. I want you to uh, go ahead and turn off your podcast. Get your horse back to a place where he can wait, whether you want to put him home or he's okay where he is for a while, but a place where you can leave him and be comfortable. So we'll turn it off and we'll meet back here in a moment when you're ready. Turn it back on. So I hope that went well for you. I know it can be a challenging uh thing to get get going but I want you what what you want you to focus on and and keep in mind is the bottom line is we want to be reinforcing or clicking on the behavior we want to see more of so stick with it it doesn't mean they let go of their old habits right away stick with it this will outweigh the other one so keep practicing this and just keep focusing and feeding the things that you like if you have a once you click you just reach over and feed don't worry about what happens in between Another thing that I think is really important is when I say give a big handful, keep in mind you can feed 
whatever your horse likes. So it doesn't have to be, sometimes people think it's all going to be grain or carrots or sweet feed. It doesn't have to be that. You can have low carb, low starch, uh, hay pellets, anything that your horse likes. So it doesn't necessarily have to be super exciting. I would rather you feed, I want you to find something you can feed lots of and not worry about. And if you need to check with your, your vet and find out what the best thing to use, please do. And keep in mind those ponies, those insulin resistant horses, they find shavings very good. <laughs> I mean, they can find something that's not as sweet. They're just happy to have something coming their way. So find something that is going to work within their type of diet, you know, whether it's grass pellets or whatever. So those are the things I really kind of, I think you understand why we're doing it. And it's so important to get this communication down, but also equally important in this early stage is getting those food manners down. So I want you to focus on those, those two parts. So I'm going to kind of give you some homework right now, because what I want you to do, preferably, I would like you to do this session, repeat this session. So if you can do if you can do this two or three times a day for the next few days, that would be fantastic. That will really start to build that foundation and start to have that repetitive. And it's going to feel like, yeah, he gets it. Pretty soon you'll see they're just keeping their head away. And they, they and then when they hear the click, they look in your direction. But I want you to repeat it anyway, because this isn't about getting it. It's about the repetition, which really, one, builds the new habit around food, but also starts that classic conditioning with the clicker. So a little, this is a while wash, rinse, and repeat kind of kind of thing I want you to do for the next, until next time. So that's what we want you to do is keep practicing and keep, keep sticking at it. Try it in different scenarios. You can try it in different places and different times a day. So have fun with it. Remember, the training should be fun first and foremost for both you and your horse. So have fun with it. If you get, keep them short and sweet. And if you need to, uh, it, it, get out of there and come back in in a little bit. If it gets a little bit messy feeling, you can go to the protected contact if you need to. But again, keep it really short and sweet and don't belabor the point. Just do it. Just put time in between. Anyway, so next week, so that's your homework. Next week, what we're going to do is we're going to actually start working on Liberty and we're going to talk about that as well as working on impulse control. Ironically, these two things actually go together. We want to start giving more freedom, but also teaching them how to make good choices and, and build the reinforcement history with, with some impulse control. So we'll talk more about that next week. Cool. All right. Look at that. First Yay! time. Yay! Well, this podcast is episode number one, as you know. Um, and because it's number one, it's not going to be everywhere in the podcast universe just yet. That takes a little while for it to populate through there. And this podcast will be available on all of your favorite players very soon. And it has been submitted to iTunes and Google Podcasts and all the other play players. And also in a week or two, it will be also available on the Horse Radio Network app, which is a really easy way to listen to all of the shows on the Horse Radio Network. You can download it for your iPhone or your Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. It's free and easy to use. And remind everybody where they can easily get a clicker. Well, you can go to uh, my website, which is shawnacarish.com is an easy way. 
Um, that would be the best and easiest way to, to get a clicker. You can also find them at pet stores, uh, you know, so they, they're around. Years ago, they didn't used to be. You only could get them through me, basically. But now, now they are around. But you can definitely go to my website and, and find things there always. And our lovely title sponsor here of the show is whom? Well, we have Jeffers Equine, which, of course, is exciting to have on board with this. And we also have Winnie's Cookies. And Winnie's Cookies are a fantastic add-in to your uh, to whatever it is that you're utilizing for your main you know, reinforcer. So they're great. They're super, and healthy. Super treats and healthy, too. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for this time around. And we will be back again in about two weeks' time. And you can find all of the shows at horseradionetwork.com. We have lots and lots, including Equine Clicker 101. You can also find all of the Horse Radio Network shows on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher. And of course, use the HRN app for your iPhone or Android. It's free and easy to use. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Yay. And thanks again, Jen. I really appreciate you being with us today. 